Hey, everyone. Welcome to Repeater. It is your uh, favorite podcast where we talk to people about songs that they love, songs that are important to them, etc., etc. My name is Evan Ford Barden, and uh, hosting with me, of course, is Pat Cartelli. Pat, what's up? Oh, you know, just sitting here ready to talk on everybody's favorite podcast. We're really humbled by your choice. Yeah. I don't want to like put that on everybody, but I do assume that after you listen to this, it's going to be your number one podcast and you're going to be 100% in love with it. Um, maybe that's a little presumptuous, but that's how we like to, that's how we like to operate here. Yeah, um, positivity. Positivity. Yes. And speaking of positivity, uh, let's welcome our guest to the show, uh, Alex Song Ja. Alex, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you both? I'm good. I'm like a honestly like a little sleepy. I got my second dose of the vax on Friday and um, was out of it yesterday. But today I'm feeling better and just a little like, I don't know. I'm not usually one to get like super tired midday, but I took like a 15 minute nap right before this. (laughs) (laughs) It was just out of it. But otherwise, good. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of those ones where you don't really fall asleep, but you do dream, which is kind of like a mind. It's like a very weird space to be in where you like know that you're not fully asleep. You know, you can hear stuff that's happening in the apartment, but you are also like floating or something. Like, I don't really know how to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Glad you went um, for a trip before this. Do you remember your this. dream? No, no, I don't. I just know that. I think I was like, um, it was one of those ones where you're just having like a lot of theoretical conversations, but I don't remember what they were about. You know, <laughs> I was probably just like, that's funny. probably like talking to my girlfriend who was like three rooms away, but not actually talking to her, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Pat, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I had a cup of tea before this, so I'm nice and awake. Hell feeling yeah. good we love it we love it alex what's in the mug what what do you got going on alex has a, a, a mug, mug on their oh. end yeah nobody's asked me what's in the mug yet um it's gonna be a little bit of a reveal then because oh. it's not a normal thing to put in a mug um oh, a little bit yes. of guinness right there nice. a, little, a little guinness in the afternoon um perfect it's 440 pushing happy hour i'd say uh yeah i don't know i can't i got very drunk two nights ago and i was so hungover all of yesterday um and i couldn't tell i also got my second vaccine this week but like earlier in the week and so i can't tell if i uh was just like delayed tiredness from that or a very hungover and so uh, it was a little bit of a hair hair of the dog but now mm-hmm. for the second day in a row. So I guess it's just drinking. Um, <laughs> so that's what's <laughs> sure, in the mug. Sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, I think like Guinness is a nice afternoon. You know, like it's Sunday for listeners out there who are not aware of when Sunday. we're recording this. A-, a Sunday, it's a nice Sunday afternoon beverage, you know? Yeah. And I feel like Guinness <laughs> is an acceptable mug drink. When oh, you yeah. said a little unexpected, I got a little afraid of what might actually be in your mug. So, oh really? <laughs> okay, 
Well, I think I just was, you know, I put it in a mug, so you assume coffee or tea. Sure. <laughs> I can't lie. Yeah. When posed with the question. I mean, I would have been shocked if it was like Tang, like something that I really just, like a child <laughs> child's beverage, you know. Um, it's a Capri Sun I cut up and poured out. <laughs> just Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I, I'm just imagining you thinking that the pouch looks unprofessional for the Capri Sun. So <laughs> yeah. You got to go mug. I have a meeting. I I got to go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the Guinness seems to have been like, right, the Irish con- concept of Guinness is that it is like an anytime beverage. I don't know if that's like worked out well for all the people of true? Ireland, but that's like their idea, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So, you know. You- a, they also... They specifically want you to pour it out into something. There's like a, a plastic widget inside that's supposed to release the like foam on top. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Oh man, I remember where I think I must have been like college age when they started doing that, or like other beers started doing that, and it felt like the fanciest thing in the world that you could have mm-hmm. a foamy <laughs> tap beer out of a out of a can <laughs> or something like that. Widget technology. Yeah, widget technology. Yeah. Finally, beer widgets. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad that you're enjoying your beverage. We like to start every show by uh, recommending something, giving a shout out to something we've been listening to recently. Uh, so, Pat, would you start us off? Yeah. Um, so, good news, everybody. Uh, the Mountain Goats have just announced another new album. So, that'll be two within a year. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to recommend the first single off of that called Mobile. Uh, it's very nice if you like twangy guitars, moody guitars. Uh, so, I don't know, check it out. I won't go into how much I love that band because you've listened to other episodes of this. Uh, but that's my recommendation. Cool. New Mountain Goat song. Um, I love it. I'm going to go something less cutting edge, but um, our fr- friend of the show, Brady O'Callaghan, started a, a little Discord about songs that rock. So... Um, if you're into songs that rock and you want to find out more about them, you know, hit us up. We can share that link with you. But someone posted to that Discord a song by uh, Andre Gibson slash, I think, Universal Universal Happiness Band. This was a maybe not like huge act, but back, I think, in the 60s. And there's a song called Thankful for You. It's got kind of like a really nice, I don't know, late 60s Stevie Wonder kind of vibe to it. And it's just like a very simple love song and the chorus is about how thankful the person is for like the person that they're in love with and it's just uh it's like a funky very cool song but also uh sweet and so it's yeah it's just kind of feel good um and so thank you i can't remember who posted to that discord but thank you for that um it was a it was a great a great recommendation alex what what have you been listening to I've been re-listening to um, It's All Coming Back to yes. Me Now by Celine Dion because um, the the songwriter who wrote it, Jim Steinman, recently yes. passed away. And uh, th- there were, like, t- Twitter threads and tributes to him. And I read this one that, like, uh, was just very fun. Uh, of, um, apparently, uh, Steinman originally wrote the song for Meatloaf. Hmm. 
and and he played the song for Meatloaf, and and he wept and was like, I have to sing it. But then Jim Steinman was like, No, it's for a woman. And so Celine Dion sang it. Um, it's the classic we know all know and love. But apparently Meatloaf was very mad, and he <laughs> did record the song, and it went number one in Norway. Whoa, um, it's a very fun Twitter thread. I'd recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so I've just been listening to that song a lot this week. That song's amazing. Um, and I also learned that this week. Uh, like, I did not know that that was the same writer as Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell, that very, like, very famous album that, you know, kind of like launched Meatloaf. <laughs> and then I, I, I think if anyone's familiar with the two works, like sort of Meatloaf's... Meatloaf's. Meatloaf's meatloaf's like catalog <laughs> and then they listen to that song from celine dion you'd be like oh yeah obviously this is the same guy that wrote both of these songs like, <laughs> the theatricality <laughs> is so there you know yeah yeah it's like an eight it's, minute uh, song <laughs> that is what we we've talked about this before it's like kind of bad karaoke songs and a lot of times like a like a long song is a bad karaoke song. But I think this is an exception. I actually think this is an incredible karaoke song because you can get like it's one that you can get the whole room like involved in, yeah. especially like after the break mm-hmm. and it starts like thunderously coming back. You know, there's like a I don't know. It's triumphant. It sort of feels like the feels like the end of any Marvel movie when like everyone shows up and then they're going to like. <laughs> beat the yes. beat the bad guy or whatever. There's also this one like old UCB mod team sketch. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw it. It's with uh, Drew Johnston and Mike Antonucci, and it's like uh, I think it's called just physical therapy or something. And it's just about how like Mike like underwent physical therapy. He still can't walk. He's in a wheelchair, and then. Uh, Drew's the doctor and just like taps him on the knee or mm-hmm. something and suddenly it, it's just such funny physical comedy that song is playing like it's all coming back to me now as Mike like walks and then like dances beautiful <laughs> ballet uh, after getting up out of this wheelchair oh my gosh and then just falls again um, but yeah that, that I love that song always makes me think of that as well oh yeah that is incredible um, I'll have to definitely look that up <laughs> um, yeah well thanks thanks for sharing that I mean that's a great recommendation for truly any time everyone should be checking out that Celine Dion song um <laughs> But what is the what is the song, Alex, that you came today to talk to us about? Uh, the song I came with, uh, speaking of karaoke songs, is Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus, which I have tried over the years to make my karaoke song. Uh, but I don't think it should be. <laughs> wow. Why, why shouldn't it be your karaoke song? I think for me personally, it's just like slightly below my comfortable range because it's kind of... Like, I could either take it an octave higher, uh, and uh, that's also out of... I guess my range is just very limited, and it's just slightly below. Um, Sure, sure. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I feel like when I attempt karaoke songs, my vocal range is all over the place. I just try (laughs) and commit, and sometimes I'm falsetto, sometimes it's coming out like this, and I don't know why I'm singing like this, but... (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say, I was like, I think Pat and I both understand limited vocal range, (laughs) so we're we're on board with that limitation. (laughs) Neither of us are Celine Dion, I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
Oh, yeah, no, I, this is, but yeah, to go from like, oh, a Celine Dion karaoke song to be like, I can't even do Weedus. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> totally. <laughs> out of my range. Totally understand. <laughs> now, I think you, you told me over email that this is maybe your most listened to song of all time. It is. I, do, do you, uh, do either of you use Last FM or, or whatever? Or used to? I oh, used yeah. to forever. Yeah, I did for a very long time. Yeah. I still use it, um, not as like, I mean, I don't know what you use it for besides like, you can look at it and be like, oh, those right. are my most play so- played songs, but my most played of all time is still Teenage Dirtbag. Whoa. That's incredible. That's awesome. <laughs> is it a song that has never left the rotation? Um, No, I think all of my most played songs as like recorded by Last FM are like songs that I went really hard on for a while. Um, sorry for saying hard on, um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, and then like left alone for a while. Uh, so I, I'd say it's like a song yeah. that I like was obsessed with, uh, and then came back to, but it's not like I'm always listening to it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what that initial point of obsession was? Like, was it, do you remember when this first, the song first came into your life? Um, yeah. I want to say it was probably early improv days. Like, not... I, mm. I didn't know of it, like, when the song came out, I don't think. Um, in, like, the classic teen shows and stuff. Uh. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I became aware of it being around the improv community. <laughs> yeah. Now, so I actually have a pretty distinct memory of, um, there used to be this great show that was at one point at UCB, but before that it was just in the basement of the Triple Crown Bar in in mm-hmm. Manhattan. And it's a show it's called Matt and Betsy Do Music. Matt Red Matt Radlow, yes. Betsy Kenny. And usually it was like a comedy music show. So people would do their comedy bits with music throughout the show. And usually at the end of the show, uh Matt would just play songs on the guitar and if you knew it, you would get up on the stage and sing along. And an absolute fan favorite. He would do it, I think, every show, basically, was Teenage Dirtbag. And Maybe that's where I first heard it. Yeah, it, well, because you know what? It's a song that I always knew from high school, but was never, I would say, I don't think I knew the artist. Like, I, I knew of it, is the best yeah. way I can describe mm-hmm. it. And I remember at one um, Matt and Betsy Do Music getting up there and being like, oh yeah, I kind of know this song. I know the chorus. That was like how I was thinking about it. And I was just mm-hmm. blown away. Like everyone in the room knew the song. It's, it mm-hmm. seemed like, you know what I mean? Right. And I was just like, where was I? Like all, these people are all like, <laughs> they're all close to my age, you know? And um, liked a lot of the, probably some of the music that I listened to. Like Pat and I have gone to music festivals with Matt. Like, you know, it's just, and I was like, why does everyone know this song? But I don't seem to, <laughs> I don't seem to know it as well as everyone else. So there was something there that I was like, I'm missing out on this. And so then I also started listening to this song more right. after Matt and Betsy yeah. did music. Yeah. That's so funny. Well, Pat, did you know the song before like 2013? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I think I didn't. Like, it, it feels like something that you were aware of, right? Like, mm-hmm. the name was always sort of there. But similar to both of you, it was a song I knew. And then when it got played in front of other people, they lost their minds. 
they just knew the chorus. They're singing a lot. And I was like, okay, I was, I missed out on this cultural moment somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, that's how I had felt. Because, and Alex, this may be part of why it was new to you too, is like, the song came out in 2000. So I feel like a lot of people had to be like a pretty specific age for this song to resonate. Like it was definitely made for like high schoolers in 2000, which for like Pat and I, we were entering high school, I want to say. Yeah. Um, And it was, so it was just like, you know, it felt like kind of a narrow time frame, And I would guess that that was like yeah. a little before you were in high school, right? It was a little, and yeah. And I, um, I don't think I started listening to like pop music or like popular music until 2003, 2004 was like a really big year where I just like came home after school and watched TRL Right. Every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right, right. So I'm like very like, oh, I know what happened after 2004. But before that, I don't. Um, so that definitely was before I would have, yeah, been aware of it when it came right. out. Also on Spotify, when you look up the song, it's the Dawson's Creek cover. So I wonder, like, is that part of like oh. what made it popular? Oh, that it was on Dawson's Creek? Probably part of it. I know that from the original music video it was tied in with the movie loser which was a jason biggs vehicle i think post american (laughs) pie one like it was i think trying to capitalize on his recent success and i um i don't even know if that i don't that movie was definitely marketed to me but i don't remember anyone seeing it (laughs) like you know i remember i think like the posters more than i remember the film kind of thing I was yeah. spending too much time in Hot Topic to pay attention to which Jason Biggs <laughs> movie was being marketed at me. Yeah, I guess uh, Biggs wasn't uh, Hot Topic material at the time. He was more of a PacSun guy. <laughs> I did love all the American Pie movies. Yeah. How oh many How many movies do they have now? I feel like they kind There's of... There's so many. Yeah. I think they only probably did like the first three or something, like American... Pie, American Pie 2, and American Wedding, but then there were just so many different cast spinoffs, like The Naked Mile. Oh, right. That's the one I remember off the top of my head. I think, I think just this is purely from going back and looking at like the covers of all of those at one point or another, but I mm-hmm. think the most consistent character was Eugene Levy's character, which is, I think, uh, Jim's dad. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I feel like I think Stifler... he was like the most consistent. Oh, was he? Yeah. Well, I don't know if Stifler was in all of them, but I feel like at least some of the later ones, it'd be like, that's Stifler's little brother or his cousin or something. (laughs) Like, that was how it connected. (laughs) You had to have some kind of Stifler analog, I think, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's the American Pie cinematic universe. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, so what does this song, I guess, then, you know, mean to you? these days it's been with you for for some years now obviously and if you kind of remember it from this this improv world i'm yeah i'm curious what it means to you yeah uh i mean it also kind of reminds me of the vibe of like (laughs) not that we have to talk about it more but the american pie movies like this very specific part of my like taste that's like i don't know i feel like i i i like things that are traditionally uh sappy or feminine maybe or but then there's also the part of me that just likes like teen teenage boy stuff 
yeah. painting in the broadest of strokes in terms of just like these categories are for these types of people or whatever. And mm-hmm. so I think the song just kind of uh, represents that for me. And also even just like performing for a while um, in improv and, and doing characters and stuff. I, I, I'd often play like a tomboy character or like a, like a teenage dirtbag type character. Um, and it felt like I didn't have to like come up with additional words. It just like it felt like that was the spirit of it. Yeah, for sure. I I, I wonder um, that kind of like genre, right? It's like I don't know where that's gone. Um, and it's probably mm-hmm. been absorbed into a lot of like TV shows and, and other things. But it seemed, um, yeah, I don't know where it is. I don't know if you know where it is, but mm-hmm. that's the that is like yeah, a it was really right. really prominent. For a little while there, right? Yeah, and I do like the dirtbag aspect specifically. It's like you're not you're not like evil, and you're not like a delinquent, but you're a dirtbag. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially I don't know uh, when we were in high school. How there are a million teen movies, like and. Mm-hmm. So much, I mean, even for me in high school, looking at movies as how to be a person in the real world, that's not a good one-to-one to actually have. But when you're a kid, you're like, well, this is what life should be like. So it does kind of right. feel nice to have like at least some sort of label to be like, okay, I think that's the track I'm on and maybe not like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although it is wild. I mean, if we're going to like then deep dive into the actual lyrics, it very famously has a lyric about bringing a gun to school. Yeah. 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 And it gets censored sometimes like on radio play and, you know. Yeah. All that I kind think of it's stuff. hard to find the uncensored one on Spotify now. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting because you, you know, it's like I... You, you listen to the song and it's like, well, that's a co- it's commentary, obviously, on like the type of kid who would do something this messed up. And it was released, right. I think, a year after Columbine, which is like, you know, kind of the starting right. point of one of our most like this like horrible now 20 something year period of obvious gun mm-hmm. violence in schools. And um, it just wasn't maybe as much the issue as it was now where the. No, the last time yeah. I can think a song doing that was what was that um pumped up kick song? I always right. forget the name of Is it. That but um, fun. Yeah, that's also about. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that, but that was also kind of like another song that dealt with a similar, at least you know lyric. Right. Better, better run from my bullet is. Yeah. Is that very yeah. Catchy. <laughs> it's like a shame how incredibly catchy that song is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually not clear on what, where does it fall in terms of like, what is it? I mean, I guess same with Teenage Dirtbag. I have no idea what it's actually saying. <laughs> um, I think Teenage Dirtbag is meant to be sort of talking about people that are kind of genuine dirtbags and would do something that's super fucked up. Like, um, yeah, but the I, that line is the, about her boyfriend, not yeah, yeah. the like he, singer yeah. of the song. Yeah, right, right. But then the other s- song, I think that's by Foster the People, oh. and I don't actually know what that song's about. Like, I don't actually know the point of view or anything <laughs> of that. Yeah, <laughs> I used I've to di- just I've think it was been diving about into sh- it. Shoes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I thought it was about no. shoes until I started singing along and went, oh. <laughs> this is a very dark song about shoes. 
Like, yeah. this is what Foster it- the People looks like. I just <laughs> I didn't Are we, expect that. We're just discovering this. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's oh yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> they, they sure. could look like what Weedus looks like. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So we did have a segment planned. Uh, Pat, do you want to let our 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 next guest know that they can come on now? Yeah. Hello. Great. Hey. Brendan, this is Alex. Hey. Uh, Alex. Hi, Alex. Alex, this is Brendan Brown, uh, lead singer, songwriter, and guitarist of the band Weedus. Oh, my God. (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs) Why did you tell me just a Weedus expert was coming on? (laughs) Well, we wanted to be a little bit of a surprise, and uh, (laughs) he is is a Weedus expert. um, Wow. Sure. We, we we assume we assume allegedly <laughs> an alleged expert. Oh my yes. god, that's incredible. Um, so the, a little bit of yeah. the of backstory here is we we actually have had like the pleasure of having Brendan on the show before um, to talk music and to talk uh, about songs that he loves and to talk about Weedus a bit. And so we were just like, when you suggested this song, Alex, I was like, oh. This will be cool. Let's get <laughs> let's get Brendan in here. That's amazing! Wow, yeah. what a surprise! Yeah. Hi. Um, Hi. Um, Brendan, welcome. Yeah, welcome. So, oh, thanks for having me on, everybody. <laughs> Again, um, what did I miss? Well, we were talking about how um, you know an interesting thing is we were talking about how this is Alex's like most listened to song. Uh, at least in the digital age that we've been able to track and um, mm-hmm. but how it didn't really it like ha- kind of had a resurgence around what you were saying Alex like 2013 ish 2012 yeah somewhere around there so this is some like someone who like the song became important to you know 12 13 years after it was released right which is I don't know how often do, wow. how often do you <laughs> do you find that that happens Brendan um yeah, well, first of all, sorry, Alex. Um, <laughs> second of all, uh, the the the, um, the resurgence was. Uh, it's funny that 2013 is the year that, like, I think it was November of 2013. I was in a, a club in New York City watching uh, MC Lars and I Fight Dragons play a show, and. Uh, uh, I was in intermission and bands were switching over and I pulled my phone out of my pocket. There was like uh, thousands of notifications and we were trending worldwide and One Direction had just played Teenage Dirtbag like up the block at Madison yeah, Square they Garden. Did it. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, Oh, wow. I have heard so, that cover, yeah. <laughs> so the, yeah. So I guess my question is, is like, is that how you heard it? I, I don't know. I want to say I hope not. Just because, in a way, it feels disrespectful. <laughs> well, so... Uh, I, but it was I definitely disagree. around that time. I, I love those guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... I, we're fine with that whole thing. We we love One Direction, and we're friends, and we, we have worked together a little bit uh, here and there. But, uh, um, but I found at that time, that little period right there was where, like, it sort of mushroomed again um, in a way that oddly presumed it it had mushroomed before <laughs> because it was like okay <laughs> so it came out in the states and like did okay at alternative radio in back in 2000 but then 
quickly fell off and nobody was calling us and it it blew up in Australia and it blew up in England and it blew up in Europe. But then, you know, for a long time, that was like, Oh, three, Oh, two, Oh, three, Oh, four. There was no YouTube yet. There was no, um, Apple music yet. Uh, you know, independent bands, cause we, we got off of our major label deal and independent bands couldn't get their music on, on streaming sites yet. Cause that was like this weird, you know, mystical, like how, who's doing that, you know, kind of thing. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, mm-hmm. And so there was a long period, there's a long period be, uh, where nothing happened, like zero, like almost 10 years. Um, and then uh, and then you heard One Direction play it. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, so something we were discussing before you joined was how, I mean, it is funny to think of a pre-YouTube world, but like who the song connected with initially. And it flew under my radar, but we were saying that you know, around 2012, 13, the song would come on and our friends would freak out or like sing along. It would be a karaoke song or like the song, there was the party song. And so it was interesting to see like the people that had it as a touch point. Yeah. Who then as they got older and uh, as Alex was saying, started playing music shows at UCB, like it became like this, we're all part of the, the same generation. Uh, we have these common connections and one of which being your song. Yeah. It's almost like the time, the time before internet doesn't exist. And it's like, you can't get there from here kind of thing. Like it's just, it's unimaginable. Even to me, I lived through it as an adult. So it was like, it was my very obnoxious reality for some period of time, like trying to navigate early internet as a, as an independent band. But um, I think that I think that it might go as far back as to like LimeWire and Kazaa, and like oh right oh like yeah that, you know maybe and I wonder if um because again Pat's kind of talking about this thing of people reaching back and sort of having this connection with the song and I'm just trying to think of like that timing right this is probably a lot of friends that are around my age Pat's age like who are in their late twenties at that point. Right. And this song is something about it. I think for a lot of people, it feels very like anthemic to their teenage years. Right. Uh, if, if for nothing other than it has the, the word teenage in it. And, um, (laughs) I don't know. It's like, you don't want to, I don't know. You know, I'm just like, I think something's about it is like, you realize you're a fucking adult now and you have to deal with (laughs) a lot of adult bullshit and a song that you loved when you were a teenager. just seems like now is the time to really lean in, lean on that for support, you know? Yeah. Um, Alex, did, did you say that it, that, uh, at college that you were like, that this was a, that teenage dirtbag was something cover bands played. Is that what you're saying? I don't think I said that specifically, but I do think like Evan um, was mentioning also right before you came on of just like, yeah, our friends would play like it as a cover. Yeah, it, it just was like this was the comedy show, but they were legitimately just playing songs. And this was the one that we all loved when 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 they started playing it. Are we talking Canada or are we talking New York City? Uh, New York. Yeah. There used to be a show, Brendan, that was all musical comedy, but then at the end the host would just play songs and invite anyone to like, you know, get into it if they were into it. And this was the song that I was saying earlier, kind of blew my mind where everyone would just know it and everyone was shouting along to it. And it was like the fan favorite kind of like closing song 
of this comedy show every month and it was kind of like magical wow um yeah that's so strange i i I get a kick out of it when people describe these environments to me that like there was a time where that information would have been really clutch (laughs) because we could have like gone (laughs) you know like gone and made something of it you know um but uh but um yeah but in the end um you know we got really lucky because like you said it kind of um came back into consciousness or maybe never left it was just like a weird touch point for people because um i also think it's possible that it didn't get played out too much because it wasn't a huge hit at first it was like maybe a song like i had plenty of these in my life as a young person like songs that they didn't play a lot but that you were like oh my god it's on it's on it's on like turn it up you know Mm -hmm. um and it was, you know, I remember sitting by the radio with like a, a cassette recorder, like ready to press record if they were, if they played like Erasure's A Little Respect, like, cause mm-hmm. that was like rare, you know, oh, yeah. it was a great song, but it was like super rare, you know, um, and it was one of the reasons we covered it. So, um, but yeah, it's a, uh, these things are so s- strange to talk about now because it's so it's like everything, everything that has passed, everything that happened in the past is now almost imaginary you know um mm-hmm. just because yeah. we're, we're like, like we exist in media yeah. universes that are so contemporary you know so uh, uh yeah I, I i guess i can remember like more about what happened between 1984 and 1987 than i could ever hope <laughs> to remember what happened between like 2016 <laughs> now yeah yeah now you re you did a new recording of this song last year right did you do the whole album yeah, we're re-recording the that's that's the the nightmare that I'm in right now. But um, we're re-recording <laughs> uh, the whole entire thing <laughs> um, uh, because the masters, the original masters, were lost. Um, so mm. uh, we we rebuilt them. Teenage Dirtbag 2020 is uh, our new version is out on Spotify right now, and um, it was we we tried really hard to like get it as close as we could, but a, maybe a little bit more intense and. Um, I think we did it cause we, we triggered all of the, um, like copyright infringement stuff from Sony came like roaring through as soon as we posted it, on <laughs> like last April. So, uh, but we got our lawyer involved for a second and we, we were able to prove that it was new. So, um, you know, one of the things that we've, we've been trying to tell people is that we can license it ourselves now. It's, it belongs to us again. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, uh, it, it, that was one of the things that we were like, really, this is gone. Like it doesn't exist anymore. No. So back in, I guess it was 2015, 2014, we started considering how that could be done because, you know, you guys know, cause you're musicians, but you, when you make a new record, there's this like driving force of finding new song, song space and new sounds. And like, everything is like, the, the you know the thrill of the new stuff but when you do something mm-hmm. over again that you did 20 years ago there's this like forensic nervousness that you're like oh god like <laughs> i'm gonna screw this up i know I'm gonna, like, people are gonna say it was a dumb idea to even, you know like so um so we, we it's a it's not it's a little tedious to be frank but but in the end sure. um when we're finished i think we'll have this like 20 song version of the first record that we own ourselves so that's exciting that's yeah. great that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Wait, can, can, can I ask, is that a Rick and Morty sweatshirt? 
It is. Uh, and not just because you're on. I wear this thing to bed and like it's destroyed. Like this is my. This is my. Oh, this I is love my, it. Like, it's my. It's my everyday. Uh, we we saw on tour last year or uh, 2019, I should say. It looks so cool. Yeah, this is my favorite. Uh, we um, we stopped by in Georgia, uh, in Atlanta, to at the studios and just um, did a did a little like walkthrough of the place, and there was some swag, and this was the swag that I snagged. So, um, and uh, <laughs> and a friend of mine, a, a friend of mine got me this. I don't know <gasps> a where. A portal gun. <laughs> Whoa! That's so funny. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god! I'm brand new to. I just joined the writing staff in in February. That's so exciting. Yeah, that's so exciting. So, um, so uh, can I go fan style right now for a second? I'm just on yeah. The or is that yeah. Oh fun? yeah, I was yeah. legitimately. I was like, how cool would it be if Brendan also loves Rick and Morty? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I was thinking yeah, before no this. Like, <laughs> I didn't know if I was imagining it. I was like, it looks like it could be. <laughs> no, it's definitely is. Um. So, yeah, I'm a talk. So, so what I would really want to know is, um, there are no episodes that I don't like. There are no seasons that I don't like. But there's one that uh, the one episode that I'm really like in- intensely obsessed with, and it's Unity, and and Rick's like she sort was, of like oh, soulmate the planet relationship. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I just I I kind of need a follow up like bad, pretty bad. <laughs> I'm just like. I keep <laughs> because <laughs> this show brings a lot of stuff That's back funny. right there's a lot of stuff comes back uh-huh. yeah but like the unity thing i'm just like god damn so any plans huh <laughs> okay well that's good to know i want you to know i'm one of the lowest uh levels of power in that room but i do get to be in the room um but um i don't i don't, I don't know but I'll, I'll for sure now that i know somebody wants it back um the seed is planted <laughs> the seed is planted yeah <laughs> it's rick and morty inception and before you leave, before we leave alex you're also free to make a request of brendan so we could be kind of okay. like one for okay. one here <laughs> you know, if, you, if you think of anything All right, i'll think about it I'll think about it. I don't know. I'm excited th- to to hear the brand new album already with all the re-records. So I don't know what else I would re- uh, yeah. request. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like I said, Teenage Dirtbag 2020 is on Spotify. Yeah. And for a while there, it was the on- only uncensored one because the original um, Sony release for Spotify mm-hmm. was censored. Mm-hmm. Um, Gun was removed from the second verse. But we put that back. Uh, and then Sony <laughs> released their uncensored version, <laughs> so like after you Whoa. know eleven years or whatever. Yeah. So, um, but um, if we could just go back to Unity for a second, I uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, that, like I have a dream that is uh, the video is the video for Teenage Dirtbag is redone with them resolving their oh their, my god like romance or whatever it is so like i mean you know if you need it for that it's yours that would be (laughs) a crossover yeah oh my god rick and morty does teenage dirtbag oh my god i mean yeah perfect (laughs) but specifically with unity not not just any episode yeah (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to drag you into my fanfic <laughs> universe here, but um, no, I love yeah, it. Yeah, that, like that's that. Yeah, um, so that so I mean, 
that's really exciting. Congratulations on on that's fantastic. Like no matter oh, what, thank you. what position you're in in the being in that room is so cool. <laughs> thank you. It's very nice. Um yeah. I mean, not to be like, okay, well now we're going to pivot back, but I, I was I was curious about like um the removing of the word gun. It sounds like it wasn't up to up to you guys. Yeah, initially um so we delivered the album in this in April of um, 2000, which was the one year anniversary of Columbine Massacre, and um, it was so the the heat of the news story was so profound that um, Sony initially kind of demanded that I re-sing it with a different lyric, um, and I. This was the first fight we got into with our major label. I've refused, like flatly refused to do it. Um, and I think at some point I was like, don't, if you need me to do that, then just don't put it out. And I was kind of like really like pissed off and, you know, probably could have handled it better, frankly. Uh, but um, they censored it after that um, as a result of yeah. refusing. So, so it stayed censored for a long time, you know. But yeah, that's the story there. I, mean, it was, it, I didn't think it was that controversial. Um, I just thought it was no. I think in fact censoring it seems seems like it's a worse thing. Yeah, and then and then it kind of crossed my mind that like growing up in New York and listening to Hot ninety seven, like all the good hip hop had stuff bleeped out of it, and that was always the thing. Is like right after you heard it on the radio, you just go look, you know, go buy it and get the uncensored version. <laughs> right, it made you want to do it more. So I I don't know, maybe that was a some sort of an upside, perhaps, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just remember going through that whole parental guidance sticker thing with my parents and like the albums that they would question. And it's like, it's, it's truly not a big deal. It's a song lyric. And, you know, they did the funniest one they ever gave me. Uh, uh, blowback for was getting Gus, one of the Guster albums. Uh, and because a song on it was called bury me. And that, you know, I just remember the f they were just so concerned about what that might mean and like, are you okay? And I was like, this song starts with bongos. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and all of this like satanic panic stuff with like music. It's like, I no, I don't care. You gave me bad out of hell. If you're going to be afraid of some sort of imagery, maybe be afraid of that one. <laughs> oh, my God. I had a really oddly similar thing with my dad with that. I was listening yeah. to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds when I was like 12 or 13. And I was just, I was fascinated with the kick drum sound that introduces the chorus. Yeah. Lucy in the Sky. Right. So I just kept, I was rewinding a CD onto that spot just because I loved the kick drum. And that was the only spot where it was isolated kick drum. And my dad comes in and he's like looming over me. Like he goes, you know, uh, wasn't always about uh, drugs, LSD or whatever. You know, it was, uh, you know, it was just about the music to some people, you know. And I was like, that was <laughs> Damn it, Dad. <laughs> no. Well, Pat, you mentioned, right, the, what was it called? Say The Satanic Panic. Uh, Brennan, am I remembering correctly? Like, when you were writing the song, was that, like, in mind, sort of this these kids that maybe yeah. had been into that kind so, of music, right? Well, 
you can look this up. Uh, Rolling Stone wrote a story about the murder that happened in my yeah. town. Um, the, uh, but um, the it was uh, the summer of 1984. Um, two or three older boys lured their friend into the woods and they sacrificed him to devil. You know, was, they stabbed him to death, and it was like a woods very close to my house. Like I walked in there all the time, and. Um, uh, the whole thing came crashing down. It was like ground zero for satanic panic. Like, uh, you know, I was already walking around with a tape case full of ACDC and Iron Maiden and whatever else. And, uh, you know, just starting to clumsily find my musical identity. Um, and suddenly it was so contraband and not just contraband, but sort of like interventionally contraband, you know, like, like you're going to confiscate it and whatever, you know? So, um, uh, when I started writing Teenage Dirtbag, I had that sort of like early first prototype musical identity in mind where you're trying to find yourself as a young person, you know? Um, and for whatever reason, music for me was like this supremely powerful musical identity point. Um, and I just kind of, went there when I wrote Teenage Dirtbag as a, as a setting, like what the vernacular mm-hmm. dirtbag was at the time was what it meant then, which was like, oh, you're one of those Satan kids, you know, killing your friends or whatnot. And I was already yeah. sort of a budding atheist at the time, so the hypocrisy, would, even though I couldn't verbalize it, was like, <laughs> what? Uh, you know, yeah, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but try taking that stand when you're 10. <laughs> right, right. Um, Not so easy. Yeah, I mean, and I think that kind of hits to, or at least when you're talking about like the finding yourself or just, you know, not necessarily the satanic panic, but like just trying to understand those things that you're like, well, here's what I think. I just don't know how to describe it. I think this song, and Alex, you were saying this before, does such a good job of sort of encapsulating uh, that age range, uh, the stuff. Like it's a very, I, I mean, Truthfully, my favorite lyric in the song is about the IROC. Because um, somebody <laughs> in my town had one. I thought that was the coolest. Yeah. Uh, but it is it is nice to have something like this to, I don't know, listen to and just be like, yeah, I to some degree there are parts of this song or maybe the whole thing that I relate to. And, you know, pre-YouTube, it's like how who knows how much I listen to the song. Uh, post YouTube, when we have things like Last FM, it's great to go back and say, like, "Oh, this is the song I've listened to the most," and that's a really <laughs> interesting thing too with technology, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also just really love the the word choice of dirtbag. I don't know, I just felt very drawn to it, even though I don't think I outwardly very much present as a dirtbag, but it's how I feel, and I just I didn't know it came from like, oh, this idea of like Satan kids, but I don't know. I, I, I just liked it a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the endurance of the song has nothing to do with where it came from. Right. It's all what people see, uh, you know, how people see themselves as the protagonist or one of the characters or even just not even an observer, you know, like um, I've often said that, like, yeah, that's like that's a true story about where I grew up and what was going on, uh, you know, then. But but the if it makes any sense to anybody in 2013, it's not because they read this article about Ricky Casso and the Knights of the Black Circle in Northport, New York in 1984. You <laughs> right, know? Like right. It's, it's just, it's, 
it's it's because it's because they they see themselves um, going through something maybe more evolved than that in 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 some sense. I hope you know. I think kids have gotten a lot nicer than they were back then, in to some degree. I hope anyway. Um, you know, I'm not one anymore, so <laughs> I can't help. <laughs> um, like my my nieces, my nieces and nephews seem to be like much more well adjusted than I was when I was their age. You know, like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All, alternate alternate lifestyles or something they don't mind talking about and like well it's like you know all of this sort of openness is kind of cool and i'm hoping that that Mm -hmm. uh uh, if the song has a place in that in that newness that's really really fantastic and i don't i don't know how but that's great you know yeah 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 we were also talking a little bit about you know these formative years and like your sense of comedy and sense of humor and we were talking about these like late '90s, mid 2000s comedies that were out, and there there are a lot of these like sophomoric teenage comedies, right? And it's like I think that's where a lot of us maybe place the teenage dirtbag in our own minds are like those characters, those t- types of characters. And it's interesting, even now, it's like our maybe our sense of humor, our comedy has like moved beyond, uh, you know, <laughs> the. Uh, having sex with an apple pie, which is kind of like what we were talking about. Um, American pie. Um, but it's still there somewhere, right? Like Alex, you were, you were kind of discussing that a little bit. It's like, yeah, there's still, you know, you're still going to hold on to like, there's stuff that about that, that's funny. And there's stuff about that identity that you still want to hang on to. And it just becomes a part of who we are and what we think is great now, you know? Yeah. Nothing will be funnier than fucking an apple pie. (laughs) (laughs) that is actually that's what eugene levy said when he was signing his multi-movie contract for american pie well there is something about like late 90s early 2000s and i don't know if it is nostalgia i don't know if it's like this uh thing stuck in time that i'm like nothing can top the things from then that i loved from then or that make me think of that time including yeah. like teenager bag. I'm like, I can't find a song that's better than that. And I know that sounds like hyperbole, but it's like, it just represents so much more than like the song itself. For sure. That was, um, I was talking to our bass player about this the other day. That was a really intense turning point. 98, 99, 2000. Um, the movies that came out office space, oh, right. Magnolia, mm-hmm. American mm-hmm. pie. Um, uh, a whole bunch of other stuff that you, you look it up. You're like, Oh my God, like this, this that, that year was intense. Um, and I think some, I think you're right. I think, but I don't think it was like, I don't think you're wrong about there being, um, I think it was just that, that, that something clicked over finally, like some, some vestige of the old way was vanquished and, and something really new started to like flow. And maybe that's why, feeling is there i think that people who lived the summer of love in the 60s might feel the same way about that time you know Um, (laughs) yeah i mean it it looking back on it it's really interesting that it was very close to youtube and it's that's a weird thing to use a, a historical marker but also like that was before you could just listen to anything anytime you wanted that is kind of like as putting a cassette tape into your boombox to get something off of Z100, 
like that was starting to sunset and like CDRs are starting to become a thing. And yeah, I think it is very interesting that this is sort of encapsulates this period of like just prior to the world, like really opening up. Oh yeah. The, the amount of like the way we experienced media, the amount that that changed, I think in those five to 10 years was massive, you know, um, compared to many other eras. So I do think there's like a lot that we culturally was starting to shift right around then. And it was cool to like, yeah, I get to, <laughs> to get to experience it. So how old were you all then? I mean, sorry, but, but I just don't know how old everybody was at that point. Okay. Which year? 2000? Yeah. How, what, what were your ages? That th- yeah. Like 99, 2000. How old were you guys? Uh, 14. Yeah. 14, 15. Uh, I was primed to illegally download everything and get obsessed with whatever I found. <laughs> um, I was six and then seven. <laughs> 2000. All right. Well, ben- Brendan just collapsed <laughs> off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, <okay>. um, <laughs> uh, I mean, you asked. Um, I. That's incredible. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I just said it's. Fa- I'll always find it. Fa- I'll always find it fascinating. Um, how how people segue from youth to adulthood and what what the time period they did that in means for that. You know. Um, yeah. Well, uh, with on that note, um, thanks, guys. Yes, I really appreciate. it. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to being old and. Uh, <laughs> Well, um, yeah, go back to being but this old. This was enlightening. Keep making keep making music <laughs> that everyone can enjoy. I think that's that's your uh, <laughs> those are your marching orders. <laughs> um, Too much pressure, Brendan. How can everyone keep up to date with what's going on with Weedus? Well, we'll be stalking Alex, obviously, from this point forward. So, um, but aside from that, <laughs> um, our Twitter account will be mutual. And- <laughs> um twitter uh, i'm doing i do the twitter myself um we're uh patreon.com forward slash weedus um we do a lot of stuff there almost every weekend we have some kind of like shenanigans that happen on the group zoom chats and hangs um and uh you know we're we're just kind of like waiting right now for the coast to clear for touring again there's a lot of sort of like tepid conversation about that at the moment so we're gonna find out this summer i think if anything actually happens um but um Mm -hmm. yeah and uh and we're on itunes or rather apple music and and uh spotify and whatnot so yeah there amazing awesome uh yeah thank you so much for joining us and um alex where can everyone keep up to date with what's going on with you Uh, brendan i I just want to say it's so so honored and floored to get to talk to you a little bit um i i am also on twitter and instagram at alex songsha uh um you know the way rick and morty works you might get to see an episode of mine in two to three years so uh so start watching now You'll be head over heels for it if if you're new to it by the time (laughs) Alex gets an episode But they have a very exciting, they have a new season coming out that I didn't work on, but season five comes out in June, so that's exciting for them. Oh, very exciting. Awesome, looking forward to it. Guys, for June. (laughs) Yeah. And then um, one thing we're doing uh, with all of our episodes this season is we, Pat and I are donating a few bucks to a great cause. 
And um, Alex, would you like to tell us what uh, cause we're going to be donating to this week? Oh, shoot. Okay, well, now I look like a poser because I picked one and I don't remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the name. This is uh, okay. Heart, of Din- Heart of Dinner, which is a really great, Thank great you. nonprofit based in New York City um, that provides meals to elderly folks uh, in Chinatown and beyond Chinatown, basically um, providing for many Asian American people here in, here in New York City. Um, they've been like, I would say, a, a really key part of keeping... Chinatown moving and keeping elders fed for the whole last year. So, uh, thank you for bringing that thank cause to our that. attention, Alex. That sounds wonderful. We'll we'll boost we'll boost that as well. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. I think you can find out more at heartofdinner.org, I believe is the URL, and there on social media as well. So please, uh, everyone, please take a moment, check them out, and donate if you can. It would be most appreciated. Yeah, and if you can't, just share their message. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, they're also doing a lot to, I think, try to stem you know the wave of anti-Asian hate in this country and really try to get more information out there and get people's stories heard, um, as that is often a, a real way of, I think, helping people uh, empathize and, and sympathize. So yeah, thank you to everything that they're doing. Thank you so much to our guests, Alex, Brendan. This is so exciting. This is great. This is so cool. So fun. We're we're really thrilled that you were both here. Um, and yeah, yeah. Everyone out there, if you if you like what you heard, please subscribe. Uh, we love you so much. And until next time, hit repeat. Bye. Repeater is hosted by Evan Ford Barden and Patrick Cartelli. Visit us online at repeater.show for live dates, hot music tips, and show archives. Theme music by the Sun Lions. Everything else by Love Nest Productions. Welcome to Repeater. He's so cool. I just, I, I was starstruck and also just taken aback by how kind and open he was.